everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Critics Corner Podcast. I'm William Locke, and joining me, as he does every week, is Luis Bronco. You can't see because it's a an audio medium, but Luis is repping the Chicago White Sox today. Luis, hey, how you doing? It's only freaking right, boys. Only freaking right, man. It's been a tough week in the South Side. I am defending the South Side this week. I will be in the South Side on Friday night. I will be, you know, William is too busy to pick me up from the airport Friday. From Chicago O'Hare Airport, he's too busy. So I will be taking the L train into the South Side to go rep the White Sox this weekend. It's been a tough week. I, I will no. risk my life for to watch Tim Anderson this weekend play. I will risk it. I will risk it for TA. First um, of all, first of all, you don't have to take the L to the South Side. I don't live on the South Side. Second of all, I have work. Your flight gets in at like 545, 6, and it t- it's going to take a long time to get to O'Hare from my place with the traffic, rush hour traffic. It'll probably take a roughly 45 minutes to an hour. I won't make it in time. I'm just saying it's the south side. I will happily go to the south side and pick up Armand myself. I'll go to the south side first. Go to guaranteed rate. Who, who do they play this week or this weekend? Isn't it someone really bad? I think it's Baltimore. No, because I went to a series against Baltimore. They play... They played Detroit, Detroit this week. Oh, man, come on, man. I got to see my guy, Torkelson. Torkelson. Torkelson's a friend of the program. Not a friend of the program, but 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 we have connections. I don't want to say connections like that. But, you know, <laughs> we, we have a – if we jump a couple of hoops, we can get the Torkelson. So I don't think it's worth the weekend of you and Armand coming, coming here to waste three hours at a White Sox game. And also we run the risk of getting shot, which we'll get into later. Isn't Armand a, a, a Scooble fan? You see, and Scooble's pitching this weekend. Hey, man. Well, well, me and Armand did see Scooble pitch last last uh, or two springs ago in, in Detroit. But Armand doesn't check fantasy baseball anymore because he doesn't have access to his ESPN account because he forgot his password and he his email address. This is I don't know why he did this, but he set his email address for ESPN as his Lausanne email or his USC email, which he doesn't have access to anymore. So he can't reset the password because he doesn't have the email associated with the account anymore. So, I mean, I think we need to boot him from the league anyway. He hasn't been, been, he's getting, he's getting relegated, man. He has the freaking Chelsea. He has, he got the Roman Abramovich uh, account freeze, man. He (laughs) transfers. He can get through none of that, man. But you know, Scooble might be pitching this weekend. TA is going to be there. Who else? What else is beneficial? It's guaranteed rate, man. It's a great place for families to go. Why don't we just start off the pod with that, you know? No, because we started up last week's pod with the White Sox. There's been enough White Sox content. Oh, also, Riley Green is him, bro. I saw him play this weekend. Oh, I saw the uh, they had a series versus the, the Indians, the, I mean the Guardians. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's really good, man. Really good. Really good at baseball. Kerry Carpenter's been a surprise. He's been holding up my team somehow in JC Baseball, my waiver wire RS team. Like we said, Detroit is very promising. Uh, Javi Baez, man, got to see, got to see what uh, Russell Westbrook of baseball, you know? Oof. Yeah. I mean, I still don't think it's worth it. I went to the Cubs game last night in Wrigley. Let's talk ten, about it. Talk about it. Ten, times, about better, it. ten times better of an experience than guaranteed rate is. Um, Wrigley's, I mean, I've been to quite a few stadiums, probably. I think like 16, 17 total. And Wrigley's right near the top of that list. Might be number one, might be number two. But just the atmosphere, the vibes, especially in like a pennant race now, the way it is, um, 
electric and like they sell that they sell that stadium out no matter what even if that team stinks like for years and years obviously they they were horrible and they still sell it out like if i were to play for if i got to choose what mlb team i i wanted to play for i think the cubs would be up there pretty high really good fan base great stadium and uh you know fun fun city to play in obviously as well uh but i mean i was cubs won one nothing right uh it was like a bellinger rbi single or something early in the game it was it was a Pretty forgettable game, uh, out, hitting wise. Steele looked really good for for the Cubs. Burns he only gave up one run. He got roughed up a little bit. Gave up, um, you know, there there were a lot of scoring chances for the Cubs in this game and the Brewers for that matter. Um, but I don't know, man. That Brewers lineup. I know they've been surging lately and they've been one of the hottest teams in in all of baseball alongside Seattle. But that that lineup is just it's like AAA stuff. Now they play really great defense. Bryce Terang. You know, coming from a former second baseman and, and shortstop, Bryce Terang playing second yesterday, really, really impressive defensively. He made some really nice plays, and he has like a 16 DRS, which is Gold Glove caliber. So, I don't think he's played enough games to win the Gold Glove at, at second base this year. But uh, he's he's really impressed me as a rookie for Milwaukee. But outside of like, they play really good defense and they have really good pitching. But that lineup is just not good enough. Come October, we've said that over and over again on this podcast. I, I will never talk myself into. I will never like talk myself into watching the Brewers. I always want to see the Brewers get relegated. If there was a relegation system, just relegate the Brewers because they just infuriate me how they play the game of baseball. Just like I was watching the other day when they played the Reds, they played what's his name? What's the dude with the glasses? Goggles guy on the Brewers, third baseman, goggles guy, Monasterio. Yes, that guy. That guy went four for four. I'm like, where do these pumpies do that? Because I think like the Brewers just literally like. Their collective lineup will never all be hot at once. It will always be like one or two guys, and then, you know, the rest of it is just crap. Like, William Contreras gets hot with Sal Freelich. Then it's Monasterio and Mark Canna. And they're relying on, like, William Contreras to carry a heavy load in that lineup, whereas, like, William Contreras would be hitting seventh or eighth for the, for the Braves. Mark Canna. He was hitting, he was yeah, hitting he seventh or eighth last year. Yeah. So it's like... Mark it's Hanna was in the clean uh, in the three hole last night. Uh, like Joey Weimer has, I've said this on the podcast before. Some of the worst form. Oh, Joey Weimer! Joey Weimer looks like that kid in wiffle ball, just swinging the life out of a bat, man. Just like absolutely, just swinging a pencil. Yeah. So I mean, I feel I feel good about the Cubs heading into you know this wild card race, this pennant race, which we'll talk about on this podcast as well. But uh, the Brewers, yeah, I know they're up by three games in the division right now. I don't, I don't think it's over by any means. Um, they just lost today. Yeah, so it's it's three games uh, yeah. after today's Cubs win as well. So I don't know. I'm not sold on the Brewers at all. Now, if they get hot in October, then obviously it can happen with with the bats specifically. I'm not, I'm just, not impressed. Yeah. I'm not impressed. Yeah, I'm, I'm not falling into that trap just yet. But it's a great podcast that we have planned for you guys today. Um, we got, bro, can I just say something? This has been probably the biggest news week in baseball we've seen in a hot minute. I feel like we can have a two hour pod. Like, there's enough content this week that there's two hour pods. Injuries, standings going up and down, players playing well. Like, our first topic, you want to introduce it? Yeah, I was just going to give a little rundown for the listeners. Uh, we got the Angels debacle, everything going on there, the Otani injury, uh, you know, the GM's comments. Uh, the waiver wire extravaganza in LA and then also just around the league, something we haven't seen really before. Um, so, so that's unique. We're going to touch on that. And then we're going to kind of talk about what to look for, what to watch for in the last month of the season, you know, the wild card race, division races to follow, 
uh, the NL MVP race, which is certainly heating up, uh, been a heated discussion lately yeah. around the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You guys, you guys were like, I'm, I'm, I told you so. Everybody was sleeping on me, and I've said it on the pod. I've said it offline. There's proof that I've said it, but we'll get into it later. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the White Sox, just their train wreck, and 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 some injuries as well um, to wrap the pod. But I think our first topic has to be the Angels, and you know, this is you know, this happened last week, last Wednesday, right after we we dropped the podcast. But it's it's the biggest story in in the league this year has been Shohei Otani and, and his pending free agency. And it was announced after uh, Wednesday's game last week that Otani has a torn UCL in his throwing elbow. He won't pitch again this season, obviously. Uh, this this will affect his his free agency this offseason. Uh, it's, it's still will, unclear if he's going to require surgery at this point. Will he ever pitch again is the question at this point. So there's, there's so many questions that come from this. Yeah, that's one of them. Uh, he left Wednesday start after only an inning and a half pitched or, or inning and a third pitched with arm fatigue. After skipping his previous start with arm fatigue as well, Angels GM Perry Manishian told reporters on Saturday that Otani and his camp declined testing on his arm prior to imaging that revealed the UCL tear. That's huge news, right? Did Otani and his camp know that Manishian was going to tell reporters this information? That Otani refused an MRI or a scan on his elbow when he was dealing with this, this forearm tightness? Because you know, if they didn't know that he was he was going to go public with this, that's just throwing Otani under the bus, making it seem like it wasn't the organization's fault, making it seem like it was Otani and his camp's fault, which pretty much would you know destroy any relationship between the two sides. Now you would think any GM in his right mind with Otani on his team would his, would do his due diligence and tell Otani that he was going to go public with this with this before he told him, but uh, before uh, he did. But we don't know. We still don't know at this point. Um, why didn't the team insist that Otani get his arm checked out? Why, why did this linger on for so long? Why did he miss so many starts with arm fatigue? And then why did they throw him out there again? Those are all, um, very important questions. I think at this point, I I just don't think he's going to come back to the angels, but I'm curious uh, what you think. I mean, me and my boss, it was actually funny story time. So me and my boss today, we, uh, we were doing a little bit of patient work, um, and I had to get my phone out because I was reading something that he sent me. And he saw my screensaver. And I have Fernando Tessis as my screensaver. I still do. And he's like, oh, do you watch ball? And I'm like, yeah, I watch ball. And so we started talking about a little ball. And we were talking about Otani. And so this converted into a discussion after the whole UCL tear with the arm fatigue and that Otani declined imaging on his arm. It presents, you know, it's, it's, it's a unique medical case that we can, I can go on and on about. But at the end of the day, like, we've seen it in a lot of sports, especially, you know, in baseball, where we see these young arms come up and they get put on innings limits. Like, I mean, one of the most famous ones I think that people forget about was, uh, and I know you remember this, was Jabba Chamberlain. Jabba Chamberlain came up and the Yankees, you can argue that they overused him and then he ended up blowing up and he's out of baseball. Uh, Matt Harvey as well. So it's – as a franchise, I understand you want to win so much, but you have to protect the number one asset and protect the player. Like the player is always going to want to play, and you as an ex-baseball player, and I mean everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to win. That's why we play the game. You know, you don't want to miss a check. Nobody's going to say no to not playing. It's just like right. that's the mentality, so it's just kind of like – 
you know, knowing how Shohei comes off in interviews, he's all about winning. And he comes, he prides himself on being available. And this is actually funny. Um, I don't know if you've seen uh, YouTube, GQ, GQ Sports. Have you seen the video? Oh, yeah, yeah. So like on the, GQ, the one with Otani? Yeah. No, I haven't seen the one with Otani. So, so quick spoiler is, you know, in that GQ Sports interview, they always do like get athletes and do what are my essentials? Yep. Like what to their life? A lot of athletes come like, oh, their watch, their phone, their chains, their dogs, their cars, like material stuff. But when Shohei did his, it was quite interesting because I've never seen an athlete come on the whole, like, it's a seven-minute video that he's like, everything he picked out was for, you know, for his performance. Like, dude literally said, oh, a pillow. And it was like, oh, because this pillow is specifically designed for me so I can sleep on planes and I can fall asleep in a, in a hotel room. And then he said, oh, my Normatech. Oh, yeah, I care about my Normatech. Like, his essentials were things that, Prepare him for him to be ready to play. So I can see the way that he could decline imaging, but at the same time, as the Angels, you have to defend your number one asset. Like a player's never going to say no, and you have to protect him. Like athletes are, I don't want to say this, but I say this lightly athletes are idiots. They're not going to stop until they're like literally can't do it until anymore. their body physically can't, until he has a torn UCL and he can't he, throw anymore. He can't throw anymore. It's just like, you know, you got to for, I don't, you can't force it. But, you know, you have to make it very, very clear and you have to be very, you know, strong opinion. And, like, at that point, it's like we've seen him get shut down for innings and pitches. Like, why not? They should have just looked out for him. And this hasn't – this he's had issues throwing the ball this year, like mainly in July where he got pulled from that San Diego start. I know it was a blister, but he's yeah. had things come up that it's just like there's warning signs there. And if you know if he were to get surgery, it would be a second Tommy John surgery. He got it in 2018 as well. I just don't understand what the Angels get from going public with that information. Like I, I know you want to make yourself look better as, or they probably thought they would look better as an organization, thinking, well, it wasn't our fault. We offered him testing and he refused, but it just it just blew back in their faces completely, and and they looked like the worst party in this situation. Otani's camp is always really quiet and humble and it was always going to come off bad for the angels especially because they just seem like such a dysfunctional franchise you know yeah. now there's so many there's also just the legacy question about this too like me and my brother james were were talking at, at the beach a couple of weeks ago well like is otani already the best baseball player of all time i said probably not and we kind of both ended up coming to the agreement that yeah he'd probably have to pitch you know at a relatively respectable level for like two, three more seasons probably to become like solidified, no doubt, the best baseball player of all time. But now if Otani doesn't pitch another game in his entire in his entire career, I mean, he's probably, he's definitely top 10, 15, maybe even top five player of all time, uh, depending on how well he hits for the rest of his career. But I don't, I don't think you could like solidify him as the GOAT. Um, so it it's interesting. I think he will pitch again. I don't know if he'll be able to get back to this level. Uh, but it's, it was just really devastating news because it's going to cost them a lot of money. You know, if you're not going to, even if, even if he is able to pitch again, there's still always going to be a lot of questions around his arm and his ability to, you know, do what he was doing this season over the course of 162 game season. It's just really hard to do that. Uh, you know, that's I, I, I completely disagree. And that it costs him a lot of money. And this I, is going to sound really, really like, I don't want to say far fetched, but Otani is a hitter right now. Right now, your top five MLB hitters, in my opinion, are Freddie Freeman, 
Ronald Acuna, Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, and Shohei Otani. That's your top five. No order. No order. Like, yeah, you I can get because the order you can get into crazy. And and Judge is probably like on the back half of that order. You can make the argument for Luisa Reyes getting up there, but they were. But the thing is, Luisa Reyes is a complete contact guy. Like we're talking all around hitters. Yeah. So if Giancarlo Stanton can get three twenty five. Francisco Lindor can get 330, and Aaron Judge can get 360, and uh, Machado, uh, Trey Turner, uh, who's the other dude? Uh, Harper. J-Rod got paid. Those three guys can get more than 300 M's for just hitting a ball. I think Otani can easily get 400 to 500. And I think some some team will take take the chance and give them that 500. Because if he, like, he's and, probably going to have to reinvent himself as a player, but if he pitches again, but he's just one of those greats that, you know, greats just have a way of getting it done. Like, they, they defy the odds. They defy all laws of medicine and just life in general. But he, so. but he, he, he doesn't, though, because he's hurt again. And, you know, I think before the injury, he was in absolute lock to get at least $500 million. People were even talking like 750, 600 range. Now it's a question of you're, you're questioning the $500 million contract. Not a question. I think he'll get 500 easy. I think he's going to get 550 if I had to put a number on it right now, just because there's going to be, even if he is able to pitch again, there's still going to be questions around that arm coming off, you know, two UCL injuries, one Tommy John surgery, potentially two. And there's a reason like there, there's a reason that no player in MLB history has done what Otani's done at this level. I'm, I'm, I, I just hard. It's so hard on your. It's hard enough on your body to be a pitcher, and and then to do that on top of hitting every single day, you have to. It just such wear and tear on your body, and it's showed with Otani in this situation. So there's just from like a risk perspective, there's so much more risk now that you know he has arm issues. But you just—he's a hitter. He's still a top five hitter, and he can get three hundred. If if hitters can get three hundred fifty million for just being a hitter, screw it. But he okay, he's a top hitter, but that doesn't mean he's going to get five hundred fifty million for being. He will. He will because somebody will take the chance on him becoming like fifty to seventy five percent of the pitcher that he is, and a fifty percent to seventy five picture of Otani is still better than half of the MLB. He's still a top three, top two guy. He may not be a number one starter, but he'll be a two or three, two three guy. Yeah, I, I do. I I agree, but I think it, I, I think it's fair to say it, it, this injury cost him at least some money. He's not going to get. It, but it just, but it, I just think that's overblown because let's be honest. If freaking Tyler Anderson can get thirty three million over three years, and Noah Syndergaard can still be getting buku amount of contracts, and mid level pitchers like Andrew Haney and Nate Ovaldi, don't get me wrong, Ovaldi's pitched really well, but like he's not a guy that I'm like, oh, I'm throwing money. Ovaldi got four over eighty or something like that. Or over 80 or... I can check you on that one. Yeah, or something like that, bro. Somebody's going to do it. DeGrom got freaking... How much money did DeGrom get for, like... Bro, DeGrom... DeGrom bro. Evaldi's De, contract was two years, 34 mil. But the one with the Red Sox. The Red um, Sox one was like... The Red Sox one was like 400... Like, four over 80 or four over 60, something like that. I, yeah. But, like, but what I'm saying... The Grom, the Grom's even worse, man. The Grom's that chick you see at the bar with all the issues, the daddy issues, the ex-boyfriend issues, and, and bro, everybody still wants her, bro. That was the Grom, and he got how much money? All right, so of all these contract with the Red Sox is four years, sixty-eight million, and the Grom, I think I want to say he got two hundred mil, right? Yeah, DeGrom, bro, five years, one eighty-five. Like I'm saying, bro, somebody's gonna give that one fifty. 
not 185, but he'll get 150, 130 added on. So if we're just using uh, easy math, Baronco math out here, it's 130 <laughs> plus 380, 510 right there, 510 million dollars. $510 I think if that actually hits, I'm playing the lottery and doing a parlay that <laughs> in the winter. So what was your pick? 510, over 500. But like I'm just saying, like. Somebody will give Otani at least 380 for just a hitter, and let's say stack on a 130, 140 for Otani the pitcher. Okay, that's fair. I think he's definitely going to get five, 500 million. It's just yeah, I, I just, I just way way more, even more than 500 million. I just I just don't I don't think an Otani it's like I don't think an Otani contract exists. That's the thing. Well, that's it's, the, it's going to be the biggest contract in baseball history. Oh, you know, you know who's probably shaking their boots right now. Who? The Padres. So the Padres are probably going to have to shell out four hundred million just to keep Soto next year. After next year, and I, I wouldn't. I'd be ner- really. I'd be a lot more nervous to pay Juan Soto that much money than Otani that money. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. But the Acuna, the Acuna. Well, Acuna contract might not get that because Acuna is going to be a little bit older because Acuna got that uh, Enron deal from the Braves. <laughs> yeah, how many years does he have left on his deal? Well, I don't know, but that's that's a steal. So you know they're. Okay, Okunia got eight years. What? Eight yeah, years, a hundred million. That was the same thing that Ozzy Albie's got too. Ozzy Albie's got something like that, super cheap. So yeah, Okunia's making seventeen million a year through twenty six with club options in twenty seven, twenty eight, which will obviously be picked up. So he's under contract for uh, until his age thirty season. Oh my gosh, he fumbled yeah. the bag so bad. I mean, bro, bro, Alex Atropolis with those, bro, give me, bro, whenever I make money, I want the Braves accounting staff on my team, man. <laughs> Straight up, bro. Uh, is 25 years old. He's in, you know, having the best year of his career. He'd be making, I think he could easily sign a $400 million contract right now. Can we, can we also talk about, and we're getting off topic, and this is more on topic. Can we talk about, the, uh, can we do an indictment on the Angels uh, training staff? Mike Trout came back for one game and then he's back on the IL like something's going on there man these I think Anthony Rendon might not be the issue <laughs> his body may not be the issue <laughs> yeah baseball's a tough sport man it's, it's weird like that the injuries but, are, but that's what I'm saying team. it's just like the Otani thing Mike Trout getting hurt often I think something may be up with that training staff they always get injured out there there's a reason why Tyler Wade's out there starting a bunch of games, man. I don't think he's there anymore. Not anymore, but last year, Tyler Wade. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about – I want to talk about this waiver wire extravaganza, but first oh, I want to talk – Can I, I have a hot take about that, about the waiver wire extravaganza for the Angels? Yeah, can we talk about it from an Angels perspective first before we – How fucking – bro, how fucking – sorry for my language, but how fucking stupid do you have to be? Bro, Lucas Giolito, yeah, he's been garbage cheeks. But you still get, can you can still get a qualifying offer, and you can still get a competitive balance pick. Like, why don't you do that, bro? If I'm a if I'm a dog shit team, I pick I put a waiver claim. If I'm the Yankees, I put a waiver claim and I don't re up them, and then I get a competitive balance pick. You can just reload reload the reload the farm like that. If I'm the Reds, I'm putting a waiver claim. If I'm any horrible team, bro. If I'm the Royals or the or the well A's, I don't think I have enough money to to cover his salary for the rest of the year. <laughs> but, but the Royals, bro, just pick him up, bro. Have him just pitch out games, you know, and then help him rebuild his stock, super low stakes. And if it doesn't work out, you just get a competitive balance pick. Yeah. So for those that don't know what happened uh, yesterday, the Angels uh, put Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, Ronaldo Lopez, Hunter Renfro, and Randall Grichik on the waiver wire 
for any team to to claim them uh, by Thursday. Um, so Giolito has a 6.89 ERA and six starts with the Angels. He's owed 1.7 million dollars. Matt Moore is a lefty reliever, but you know if a playoff team wanted a play a lefty specialist. I mean, lefties are hitting uh, to an 8.41 OPS against Matt Moore, so not great. Uh, Ronaldo Lopez is a, another reliever, and then Hunter Renfro has a 5.01 OPS in August, and Randall Grichik has a 4.35 OPS in August. Uh, that was before Tuesday's game, so you know, not necessarily the the most attractive names I would say in a waiver wire, but some some contending teams could pick these guys up if they really wanted to. Now you mentioned the competitive balance pick thing. The, the reason the Angels did this obviously is a salary dump, right? If if they get rid of all these guys, if all these guys get claimed off waivers, uh, that would drop them below the two hundred thirty three million dollar competitive balance tax threshold. Uh, so they would be able to avoid any taxes um, uh, and, and penalties that come with that, as well as. I think in, I was reading in the athletic, if, if they get below that threshold, then their competitive balance pick would be uh, like in, in the second, second round. Whereas if they were above that threshold, it'd be in the fourth round or something like that. So it actually they're doing this for, for picks for better picks and, and uh, obviously getting below that, that threshold tax wise. I mean, it's just, a, it's just a horrible way to go out, bro. It it's is. Like- it- it's it's putting up the white flag before you finish the season, bro. It's like you're literally, you know, what you call it's like literally you get it's like you're literally in and playing a you're literally playing the PGA Tour tournament. Like you're in the PGA Tour season and you're getting to the the PGA Championship. And before the BMW Championship, before the FedEx St. Jude Classic, you decide, "All right, cool, I'm out." Like <laughs> you decide to DQ yourself for the whole season. So I mean they're out of the playoff race. You you made that analogy because you're watching full swing right now. I right. love full swing. I'm gonna start playing golf, boys, boys and girls. I'm gonna start playing golf. Oh. Dude, watch out for those golf courses. The Latino Tiger Woods is coming out. Watch out for the other golfers on those courses. They are in the danger zone. But um, I, I mean, it's 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 it is a white flag being waved here clearly you know they traded prospects for these guys at the deadline so now they're just getting rid of them a month into their stint with the angels to uh, save some cash which i mean who knows could benefit them in the long run i don't know it's hard to see right now i mean we we talked about it last week i thought the angels are kind of just like a barren wasteland like if i had to pick one team that i I just don't feel good about moving forward i don't like see the vision whatsoever i don't know how they can can get better right away the angels are certainly at the top of that list now i know they can trade mike trout right and get can we, can we debate that who's worse the angels or the royals you know i, I mean, don't bobby come up with the bobby witt claim oh they got bobby witt man i'm like you can flip mike trout and get a bajillion prospects the thing the thing is though i mean mike trout's battled injuries this is his worst year of his career he's on the wrong side of 30 at this point I mean, is that a guy you want to give up your entire farm system for? I mean, a team that's contending. I could see Philadelphia do it. I mean, put him inside. I know Brand- Brandon Marsh is an insane outfielder defensively, but you imagine you put Mike Trout in a lineup with Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, Alec Bohm, Bryson Stott, and um, Bryce Harper with JT Realmuto behind the plate. Oh, boy. Reese Hoskins oh. coming back. Well, I think Reese Hoskins wouldn't come back just for the money because I think he is an FA this year. He's on a contract oh, here. That's so, right. I think, yeah. so I think they would just, you know, can you imagine that team? Put Mike Trout out in, in the corner or some shit and then Braden Marsh? I mean, but who are you trading? You'd probably have to give up Andrew Painter for him. 
You don't have to give up Painter. You can probably give up Mick Abel, one of the two. Uh, you'd have to give up Painter. I don't. I mean, I know he's going to get UCL surgery. <laughs> Tommy John, man, that's that's a a big issue in the league right now. It's not, but it's not it's not that big of an issue as it was a couple of years back. I mean, I think an Achilles injury is worse. I mean, there's has been a lot more success stories coming off of UCL. Of course, like Dickey. It's still just the fact that so many guys are having to get it worries me a little bit. Well, it's it's what the it's what I was watching uh K Rod last season and it was the 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 Brave series. This is when I got back from Colorado and um I think it was Braves Phillies and the old pitching coach for Bobby Cox came out and said, I'd rather have a dude that can paint ninety on the corners than a dude that just throws a hundred. Yeah. So Yeah. I, I can can we can we also do this quickly before we continue? Um, can we give out some prediction? Not predictions, but places where you want to see these guys land. Jolito, go. Uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. I would like to see Jolito in Arizona. Okay. okay. Fair. That, uh, that's a good pick. Uh, Matt Moore. I think Houston. If he can follow yeah. Houston in the waiver wire order, and they need lefty relievers, even though he hasn't been great against lefties this year. I think take a flyer on. Yeah, I, I also say Houston. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez, I'm not even. I mean, I think I think again Baltimore. Uh, they need with Felix Bautista out. They need relievers. I just don't know. Randall Grichik, maybe like a Cincinnati Reds or like a Miami. I could see him in Miami. I'd like to see Randall Grichik in. I'd like to see both Grichik and Renfro in Minnesota. And I know I, I pump up a lot Minnesota, but I would love to see him. Minnesota's outfield. You know, they have Gallo and Buxton, but I think Richick's a way better defender, and Gallo's bat has not been great, and I think Renfro would be great there, too. I like that. I, I like that. Minnesota's been really quiet this year. They were pretty quiet at the deadline, and, you know, they haven't done They need bats. They yeah. need bats, too. And, and, I mean, crap, you put those two, you don't have to start freaking Michael Taylor, who's a defensive wizard. I mean, Richick's bat's been pretty good. Hunter Renfro's been a good performer. So why why wouldn't you take a flyer on one of the two? I yeah. mean, there's not other spots I could see him because outfields. I mean, you can put him in the Rangers. I mean, the Rangers need everything right now. Still, I feel the Rangers. Like I said, Vince. Like I said in a couple of they needed to buy everything, and they didn't buy enough. Yeah, so, you did. You did say that at the deadline when they were in first place, and it, it, bearing it's bearing truth here. It was a good pick there. Yeah, they just needed to buy everything. So, and I think this is a good. Uh, uh, we can continue about the waiver wire. We also see uh, Harrison Bader, which I was pretty surprised to see. I know he's in a contract year, but Brian Cashman has a hard-on pause for defensive outfielders. He always needs one white guy that can play defense, uh, a la Brett Gardner. So I'm pretty surprised. Well, there was, was Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks was a decent defender, but I'm pretty surprised that they didn't keep Bader. I feel like Bader could have been a guy you could have kept in the Yankees, given him a couple of two, uh, one or two-year deal with a couple options. And you could have been part of the outfield. I think he's still top five defenders in, in baseball for center field. And I know his bat's always been, but he does possess a lot of speed. I know injuries are an issue, but he possesses a lot of speed. And if you can just get his bat going, he can get hot and on the base baths. Like, he can seal a couple bags still. Yeah, I just think injuries in this role, he held them back. He's also just a good guy. You know, he's a good clubhouse guy. He's a locker room guy, yeah. He's always been a locker room favorite. Like, Watching him in St. Louis, everybody loved him. And the times that I watched uh, Yankee games, like, dude gets big hits for the Yankees. I just don't understand 
out of all people, like you decided to put Bader on the waiver wire and not Donaldson, which I mean, Donaldson got cut anyway. (laughs) We got rid of Donaldson anyway. And Jason Dominguez is coming up uh, tomorrow or Friday against Houston. Oh, the Martian. I'm so excited to see the Martian play, man. And Austin Wells is coming up. Um, who's been tearing it up at catcher in, in the minor leagues this year. I mean, with Bader, yeah, I agree. You know, he, what we Cashman is, is putting him on the waiver wire to save $1 million. I mean, I, I get it. It's a move to watch the young guys, to get the young guys some experience. But Bader was a locker room favorite. You know, I, I was watching his interview with uh, Meredith Morakovitz or in, in the clubhouse after the game last night against Detroit. And he, he just, you know, had a really positive attitude about it. You know, say he's going to go out there, continue to play hard. You know, he's saying it was – a great opportunity to play for the Yankees. Obviously, he's a New York guy, so he really appreciated, you know, playing for for the team, for the franchise. It meant a lot to him, and I think he's just all class. So I wish him nothing but the best. You know, I, I know he he would say that this season was definitely disappointing for him. I I think it would be fair to say that, uh, but I still, you know, hit a few big home runs for us in the playoffs last year, and yeah, he's just a good person, and he's the kind of guy you want on your team. So whatever team gets him, if he does get claimed, uh, I, I think will be happy with, with what they're getting. And um, I think I could also see him in Baltimore, probably move him to left. Uh, but I think I think that would make some sense. Or oh, that'd be a great move because that outfield's pretty big and he's in like him, Mullins in the outfield. Oh my God, I don't, bro, there would be no doubles. No doubles defense would be cracked. And, and they moved that left field wall back. So there's a lot more ground to cover out there now. So yeah. I'm just saying, I don't understand the move by the Yankees. I know you want to cut money, but I feel like he's one of those guys that he's a good locker room presence. He's a good energy. He's always smiling. No matter what's going on, he's always bringing a good presence to the team. He's always playing hard. He's he's a, he's a, he's a player you want you want to have in your in your locker room. So I really don't understand the move again. Cashman screwing the boot again. What's new? Cashman out. Ben Cashman out. Um. I just don't know where he would land. That would be because I feel like he's a contending team. So I mean, it's tough because not many contending teams need center outfield help, much outfield help. Like I mean, Braves don't need it. Phillies don't need it. Um, God, Brewers have too many. Toronto Brewers. Well, they have Kevin Kiermaier. That's that's the same type of player. Brewers have you know. Brewers don't need another dude like. Bader, and I think I would lower myself if that would happen. <laughs> Cubs got Cubs got Bellinger. Yeah, but Bellinger's playing first. They got Talkman out there in center, really. Well, Talkman's been playing really well. He's yeah. on base machine right now. He's been having to hit um, first. Dod, I, I could see him go to the Dodgers, but then again, the Dodgers have Jason Hayward, and that's kind of like the same profile of player. Yeah. Texas. It, it, it would just depend on how teams view these like Kiermaier, Hayward types, Alec Thomas type players that are clearly defense speed guys that have bats that struggle. If they see that Bader is a big upgrade and that you can keep them long term, then you do it. Because I think Bader, if he has a good little run, he could command a nice big fifty to eighty million dollar contract. Yeah. Yeah, he can get definitely get paid this this offseason. People uh, w- want a guy like him. Other guys that got put on the waiver wire, we got Carlos Carrasco, Mike Clevenger. Um, any any thoughts on those guys? I mean, Clevenger hasn't been the same pitcher since his Cleveland days. He, he, when Cleveland trades a pitcher, that's a red flag. That's like the biggest red flag like when they're trading a pitcher because 
Trevor Bauer got traded to Cincy, and I mean, yeah, he won a Cy Young, but that was a COVID Cy Young. It was. And then after that, he went to the Dodgers, and, you know, we had mixed reviews. You've never been a Bauer guy. Aside from the personality that is Bauer, you've never been a Bauer fanatic as a player. Carrasco, Cookie Carrasco, he's he's kind of on his last legs. I mean, on the Mets, and, you know, he's he's older. Uh, great story as a as a person and a baseball player for what he's overcome in life, and um, but yeah, I think it, the end of the road is near. For yeah, him. yeah. Uh, I mean, for what it's worth, Clevenger has some decent numbers. You know, he's got a three three two ERA and eighteen starts this year, two point three one and six starts since coming off the injured list. I saw him pitch against the Orioles early in the season. That was back in in April, and I mean, I thought he looked good. So. I think a team could definitely pick up uh, Clevenger. Carrasco, not not so much. He's got like above six ERA. It's just, yeah, I agree. He's kind of on the last legs of his career. Um, so, yeah, that, that's mainly for the waiver wire extravaganza as it works. Priority runs in reverse order. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. I mean, tomorrow's a big day. Have your, your notifications on X on for <laughs> Jeff Passan. Uh, Bob Nightingale, Ken Rosenthal, your big MLB reporters. Uh, well, John Heyman, a.k.a. Arson Judge, too. Arson Judge, yes, sir. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we have the last month. I mean, this is a good little, like, we'll get into it quickly, but the last month. Um, we have a lot of moves coming down the pike. Uh, September call-ups, as we see, the Yankees have already called up Jason Dominguez. They've also called up Austin Wells. Jason Dominguez has been one of the most hyped prospects we've seen. For the Yankees in a while, aside from Volpe and Peraza, he's a part of the Volpe Peraza, uh, Volpe Peraza and D- Dominguez, which will get any player in the major leagues. Sort of like the Clint Frazier, Miguel Andujar package that was deemed to be the end-all, be-all package. Uh, Austin Wells is a catcher. It will be really interesting to see. He also can do a little first. Um, what are some other guys looking up for in September call-ups? Ooh, I mean. I want to see, and I don't know if it's going to happen, but the number one guy that I would pick to to see get called up is is Pete Crow Armstrong on the Cubs. Yeah, bro, I want to see Pete Crow, bro. Get him. I know it's it's a tough spot to put him in because it'd be a rookie in the thick of a October playoff on, of a pennant race. But I just feel like, I mean, he if if the Cubs were bad right now, he would have been on the team already. So, you know, if you look, if you just look at his numbers in AAA right now. He's hitting 250 with uh, 806 OPS, uh, four bombs. Now he's only played 23 games in AAA. Hit 289 with uh, 898 OPS and 14 home runs in AA this year uh, in, in 73 games. So I think he's ready. He'd be one uh, that I have circled. Um, and- the Red Sox called up, uh, what's his name? Sedan Rafaela. They did. He, he, he looked really good this weekend. Um, also, I'd like to see I'd like to see Colt Keith. Let's see some Tiger call-ups. They got something brewing up there. Want to see what's going on there? And um, the other guy, you'll probably see the Mets call up some guys. You know, would love to see Brooks Lee come up for for the Twins. He's been a highly touted uh, prospect for a while now. I, I feel like I, I don't think it's going to happen the way Royce Lewis is playing right now. Yeah, coming off the IL. So I mean, the Twins are are kind of. Sneakily, they have Royce Lewis and um, Brooks Lee as well as Correa that can all play shortstop. So 
Are they going to move one of them? One of them plays third? Want to play second? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, well, I mean, they got Edward Julian playing really well. But yeah, yeah I mean, second, that, yeah, he's been good for them. Yeah, I mean, that's September call-ups. I mean, just be interesting to see who, who, who balls out. This is a good, like, springboard for next season. Like, you're going to want to watch these guys, keep an eye out, see who has some stuff. Because you see a lot of big September momentum into the next season. Yeah, I mean, so, I think of one that obviously comes to mind for me personally is Gary Sanchez, who got called up in the middle of the summer in 2016, and then Aaron Judge as well got called up in the end of August that year. I was at his, I was at Aaron Judge's MLB debut uh, when him and Tyler Austin hit back-to-back home runs in their first at-bats ever in the big leagues. It's the only time it's ever happened. It's probably the only time it'll ever happen uh, in, ever again. Just the fact that that ever I mean, so rare, such a rare occurrence, but that was a really cool thing to be at. Those two guys carried their momentum into the next season as well. Obviously, Aaron Judge won won the MVP award, and or sorry, should have won the MVP award in 2017. Jose Altuve won it. But yeah, September call-ups are always a lot of fun to watch in the last month of the season. It is uh, August 30th today. We're recording this, and season ends like the first early October, like October 2nd or 3rd. So we're right at about a month left, and we're just going to kind of talk about some of the things that we're excited to watch in the last month of the season. Obviously, you know, the main one is these divisional and wild card races, but we're not going to talk about every single one. We're just going to talk about the ones that we are most interested in, the ones that we find the most intriguing, uh, are the most invested in. Luis, you can start. Uh, which race are, are you most interested in down the stretch last month? Uh, there's actually two I'm very interested in. I'm actually very interested to see what ends up happening in the AL West race, it's a three-team race. Uh, Mariners have come back from the dead and resuscitated themselves, uh, making me look like a fool for what I said at the start of the season. I was partially right. Pitching is pitching really well. I'm by Luis Castillo, he's being probably a top-five pitcher in baseball in the AL right now. Uh, Julio Rodriguez is playing at an MVP level. If there wasn't for a Shohei Otani playing, he could have an argument for it. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, you also have Houston, who's there. Houston's getting healthy. And, you know, they're kind of like the Warriors, you know. They always find a way to get it done. And then Texas is kind of just they've, – they've struggled of late, but, you know, you got Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, like good manager, Bruce Bochy. Like, they'll still be there. I mean, their issue has been that they've blown more than 20 games through – they have more than 20 blown saves. So if they can fix their back half – the pen through the next month. I mean, it's going to be a very interesting race going down the stretch. And then the other race I'm very interested in is the NL Central. No, not the NL Central. I was going to say that NL Wild Card. Um, there's a lot of teams. Reds are in it. Um, Giants are in it. Arizona, Chicago, Philadelphia, Marlins, Miami, kind of. My Marlins are kind of still there. So there's a lot of teams going going around there. The Reds have been struggling. San Francisco and Arizona have come back from their slow starts off the break. Um, Cubs are still playing at a high level. And Philadelphia, you know, Philadelphia's going to make it. There's only like, that's probably like the lock right now. So it's very interesting what happens with wild card spot two, three, and four. Yeah. And, and the Reds won in San Francisco today. So they're only a game back of that third but, slot right now. They've been struggling as of late. Hunter Green's been looking really bad. Uh, he's been very, very hittable. Yes. It's like BP. Teams have. have Teams have decided to be very aggressive on his fastballs. 
to a very good success. And, and when you pick, and when you pitch at a park like Great American, which is a very hitter friendly park, those hard contact and fly balls instead of being flyouts in a place like San Francisco or in a place like Baltimore, they are home runs and GAP. And Andrew Abbott's also been looking uh, not as great as he was early in the season. His fastballs lost a lot of life, but you can you can predict that kind of stuff for you know young pitchers. You know it's hard to keep keep it consistent over the course of 162 game season. Uh, but yeah, that NL NL wild card race is, is really intriguing to me. You got Arizona, San Francisco, Chicago, Cincinnati, and, and Miami all there vying for for a playoff spot. Um, you mentioned the AL West; that one's great. Uh, I think. One thing you didn't mention on Houston is just that Michael Brantley's coming back. So they got another lefty bat in that lineup. Uh, it's really just him and Jordan Alvarez as lefty bats in that lineup. So that's a big get for Houston. Th- those teams are locked, locked in a tight battle in the LOS. Like you said, Texas has been playing pitiful baseball, three and seven in their last 10. They have one two straight now. Um, but that I think that one is going to come down to, to like around the last weekend. Um, of the season. They play each other a lot down the stretch. I can pull up the, the, the series here. Yeah. So we got this weekend or sorry, next weekend. No. Yeah. Next week, September 4th through 6th, Houston at Texas. And then at the end of the month, we got Seattle at Texas, Houston at Seattle and Texas at Seattle. So those could be some playoff like atmospheres down the stretch um, in, in the AOS. Those are, those are a lot of fun. Uh, so stay tuned on that. That's definitely, those are some things to watch for me. It's the NL central race. Uh, I know you talked about the NL wild card, but I still think the Cubs have a chance at winning the division. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, they're only three games back of Milwaukee and that was coming off Milwaukee playing their best baseball of the season, but Chicago kind of just hung around, you know, they're uh, quietly seven and three in the last 10. Uh, Milwaukee has lost two straight to the Cubs now. Uh, Chicago moves on and they will play in Cincinnati this weekend um, starting on Friday. And then Milwaukee moves on and they're playing Philly this weekend. So theoretically you'd favor the the Cubs to win that series against Cincinnati and the Reds or, or the Brewers might struggle against Philly. And we already talked about the flaws that come with Milwaukee's lineup. We've been talking about that on the pod for years. So I don't know, man, I, I think I would not rule out Chicago to win that division. I, 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 and I know no Stroman. Stroman's been out for quite some time for them, but Justin Steele is one of the best pitchers in the entire National League, uh, and, and that lineup, man, is is powerful. So I'm just looking at DraftKings for the odds right now, seeing if you can get if you guys can get some decent odds on the division race. So right now the Cubs are plus three thirty to win the NL Central on DraftKings. I, I'd sprinkle. I think that's worth a sprinkle. Sprinkle the money. Yeah, I agree. Then my biggest thing is the MVP race, NL MVP race. Oh, baby. I'm a Mookie guy. It's getting, toxic. It's getting toxic. It's it's not getting toxic. It's You've decided not to listen for the past month and a half, and Mookie's on an unreal level. Mookie's the reason I am in third place in this league, third slash fourth place. So I think it's an interesting debate. Um, but, I mean, you know, Acuna has the better, like, traditional stats. He's got a better average, 335 versus 314. He's got a better OBP, 417 versus 408. Mookie has a better slug because that's that's because he has 36 home runs to Acuna's 29. 
But, you know, the stat that people seem to be forgetting is that Ronald Acuna has 61 stolen bases and is on pace to become the first player in MLB history to have a 30-60 season, 30 home runs, 60 stolen bases. He'll probably end up with, uh, barring injury, you know, 70-plus stolen bases and like 35 home runs, which has obviously never been done as well. Uh, the thing that, you know, and, and also Mookie leads in terms of war on fan graphs and baseball reference, but the thing that... You know, Mookie people will argue as well. He's been a outside of all this, you know, his amazing offensive productive series. He's been a defensive Swiss Army knife. He's played short, second, outfield, right field. Yeah, can- and the bases are bigger this year. And he doesn't have the protection like Acuna has. Acuna has unreal protection. Uh, Acuna has a freaking Russian oligarch protecting him, man. Damn near. Well, I mean, Mookie Betts is on the second best team in the National League, so. Yeah, but hitters they both have MVP candidates hitting around them with Matt Olson and Freddie Freeman. Yeah, but Braves have Austin Riley, Orlando Arcia playing at a high level. Um, who else? Oh, Sean Murphy is the best catcher right now in in uh, in baseball right now. Who else? Oh, did I forget somebody? Oh yeah, I forgot they have Michael Harris. While the Dodgers are just Freddie Freeman and Will Smith. You're, you're acting like the Dodgers are a, like a poverty organization. It's not a poverty organization, but it's just like in comparison like to both lineups, like Dodgers give me strong prime Rays vibes. And that's because Andrew Friedman ran it. And he ran the Rays. And like Chris Taylor, Max Muncy, you can't compare those guys to Austin Riley and Michael Harris not- and Eddie Rosario. I think I would take Eddie Rosario, Michael Harris – uh, and Austin Riley over like their core way, not core, but like the added pieces on. Azuna's having a really good year as well. I mean, I'm not trying to argue that, um, I, or, sorry, I'm, I'm not arguing that the, the Dodgers are better than the Braves, but I'm just saying I don't think you should use what they have around them in the lineup as an argument to knock the other guy. I just think they're both playing at a really high level. It's certainly very close right now. I think Acuna is slightly favored on DraftKings. He's still like minus one thirty, and I think we should just sit back, relax, and enjoy two historically great baseball players. Watch the last month, play the last month of the season, and what were pretty much otherwise meaningless games for these for the two teams because they're both locks to make the playoffs anyway and win their divisions. So let's just watch watch them battle it out and enjoy the the great the great play that they bring to the game because these guys are playing at an historically great level. Mookie is, I never thought Mookie would get 40 home runs in a season, but it's looking like he's going to pull it off. Yeah, I agree. We'll just watch it. What about Cy Young's? You feeling like Garrett Cole's pulling away in the American League? I mean, yeah, there's no, Cy Young race is pretty dead this year, not going to lie. So who you got and in the they, National League? Because right now there's a debate between Snell, Strider, and Gallon. I think it's Snell. Snell's at an unreal level. I just think it's just those. It's Snell and Cole for me. Yeah, those I think Cole, the- Cole locked it up today. He had a good start against Detroit. And it's Snell. It's Snell. I think that's fair as well. I don't see anything interesting in like this Cy Young races. Like the NL is dead. Like every pitcher, like Gallon hasn't been, has had his stretches. Snell hasn't had that stretch. Snell, since he got freaking Gary Sanchez, has been pitching at an unreal level. So it's Gary Sanchez is, is the key to his success. Yeah, maybe the Yankees should go call him up, fire Cashman, Cashman now. <laughs> yeah. 
before, before we get out, we have to talk about the Chicago White Sox. We we talked about it briefly in the beginning. Uh, we talked about it last week at length. They're obviously in search of a new GM. And that, that train wreck kind of continued into this week, this previous week. John Morosi reported yesterday that the White Sox new president of baseball operations will likely come from within the organization, which is obviously disappointing news if you're a White Sox fan. Uh, current assistant GM Chris Getz is apparently the overwhelming favorite to get the job. That was according to Bob Nightingale reported last week, like the day after they fired Rick Hahn Williams. Uh, Getz has been with the White Sox since 2016 and he oversees, this is the funniest part. This is the funniest part to me. Gats oversees the team's player development operations, which was what we hammered on as the most incompetent part about that incompetent franchise last week. And they want to bring him in as their new GM. I mean, it doesn't get worse if you're a White Sox fan. It's just going to be more some, of the same. Some teams just decided to be bad. I think they just decided to be shit. So congratulations, White Sox fans. You are incompetent for the next 15 years till Reinsdorf sells a team. It's until Reinsdorf sells the team. Unfortunately, the White Sox are going to be incompetent. Uh, Morosi also reported that the White Sox could have looked at, or they were looking at, Nationals president Mike Rizzo for a role with the team, but he reportedly agreed to a concept, contract extension in Washington. Now, the only reason I bring that up is because we talked about last week how the Nationals extended Davey Martinez. Now they extend their president, Mike Rizzo. The Nationals are, are locking their guys up, and we talked about how we like their farm system. They trust yep. their leadership, and I like what they're building. Yep, I agree. They did it last week. I mentioned it on the pod, so White Sox say shit. And uh, whatchamacallit, other uh, Nationals, keep winning. Well, I don't know. Keep winning. I mean, they're not actually yeah, – the Nationals are close to 500. Hey, James Wood's been playing great, and Dylan Cruz has been playing great, man. So, And then also I think we just have to note that gunshots wounded two women – at Friday's game against the Athletics at Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. Chicago police, after investigating, you know, it still is an ongoing investigation, but Chicago police now believe that the shots came from within the stadium, which obviously leads to more questions. Uh, but just another note in what has been a devastating White Sox season, that obviously would have been the most devastating thing if, if someone was, unfortunately, you know, something bad happened out of that. Luckily, yeah. everyone, everyone's okay. Um, but yeah, we need a 30 for 30 on these last two, two, three White Sox seasons or just Jerry Reinsdorf owning the White Sox yeah. in general. That's crazy. I, I can't, man. I, 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 no comment. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think Felix Bautista's on the IL. Wander Franco investigation continues. So yeah. yeah there's actually news, uh, two hours ago that Wander Franco is now under investigation after a second complaint in the Dominican Republic. So that is an ongoing investigation as well. Um, and what is another sad story in baseball? No comment. Yeah. Any other news, any other thing you want to get talk about before we, before we get out, I actually just saw the Dodgers recalled right-handed pitcher, Ryan Pepio from triple a, uh, that's your boy, Butler, Butler bulldog. Yeah. So that's good. We'll see what happens. Good baseball. We'll be back next week. I feel like next week, everybody go check out the Blue Moon. Oh, is so that, is that tonight? Yeah, that's tonight, like in five minutes. So I might go outside and check it out. Yep, I might. Uh, I might go check that shit out. Yep, the Blue Moon. So, alrighty. Yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition, recapping uh, all that's happened in baseball and our weekend in Chicago. 
Labor Day weekend in Chicago, Luis Armand and myself uh, in town uh, for the weekend. Should be a fun one. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we really appreciate it. Be sure to check out our College Football Preview podcast that we did with Joe on Monday. And check out our Instagram, the Critics Corner Podcast, or the Critics Corner Pod, and our Twitter as well. Uh, Post some content there on the regular. Um, And yeah, we appreciate you guys listening. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Peace out.